Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NBA Top Shot Weekly Tip-Off Show, brought to you by OTMNFT.com. My name is TJ Lasig. I'm one of the co-founders here at On The Moment, and this is episode 51 of the podcast. We're here to update you on all the news and information you need heading into this week in NBA Top Shot and back after a week-long vacation. Finally, he has arrived, Mr. Justin Herzig. Justin, how was your week off, my friend? I'm relaxed. I'm rested. We had some great food in Asheville. Went to the winery, did some beer drinking, and now I'm back in Tampa, and I just was spoiled. It's just ever since I moved back, like, it's just championship, championship, and now the Lightning are back in the Stanley Cup. Like, it's, it's a good life. It's a good life for Tampa. Just, just living, living the good life. And speaking of living the good life, we've got a very special guest this evening, a familiar face, I'm sure, to you all, one of the, the OGs of not just Top Shop, but the NFT space. <laughs> In general, he's got a top 10 top shot account. He's got the crypto punks. He's in the yield farming streets. He's probably doing a bunch of stuff that I don't even know exists or any of us even know exists. You guys probably recognize him from Club Top Shot. And he's currently building his company Fractional. We've got Andy with us tonight. Andy, I feel like it's long hey overdue guys. for you to be on the pod. I know. I feel like it's it's a little crazy it's been this long, but thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. That was a, quite the intro. Maybe a little... <laughs> Over the top, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, we're pumped to have you. The people are pumped. Speaking of intros, people are pumped about the the intro music. Shout out producer Coop. Behind the scenes, of course, track and chat for for later this evening when uh, we'll be spinning the wheel, opening some packs. But first, we're just going to talk through everything that's going on. I, I really want to get Andy's thoughts on the the craziness of all these NFT avatars. It feels like every day there's like some new crazy pickle or banana or lord knows pandas or golf pandas now interested to hear about that we're going to talk through justin's challenge analysis that that we've been putting out onto the website and just go over any other of the the news and notes that we have so packed packed agenda here tonight justin where do we begin well the lightning just scored so now i can focus a little more (laughs) (laughs) very nice all right um gosh yeah, it's uh, it's it's been an event, been an eventful, I'd say, a couple weeks in the top shop markets. Um, I think the 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 high um, the high engagement, the high activity of the playoff challenges has had uh, you know some mixed reactions. Um, I will say that even myself, like uh, it is hard to keep track of everything going on. And uh, I think there's some level of value to that because it allows from a top shot wise to be kind of testing new things, to get new people who come to the market, to be highly engaged, to kind of get the whole feel for things without like any prolonged, you know, lapses between. Uh, But I definitely understand where people are saying like, you know, I feel like if I'm not paying attention to top shot on a daily basis, like I'm missing out. Um, I know, I know. I think Plunge Father mentioned he went on vacation, had some moments. He lost the ability to kind of sell those in challenges because you, if you don't pay attention for two, three days, you might just kind of miss out on that. And uh, I think that's going to be an interesting interesting dynamic that we'll see how Top Shot and how Dapper continu- continues to evolve because, as we said, this is their MVP. This is just one sport. We know they have UFC. We know that there's a possibility of these other sports as well in the future. And so – just probably it's not realistic to expect that we're going to be able to spend all this time on each individual platform. Um, but maybe that's okay. And maybe that's going to be that long term. Uh, I, I don't know, but I, I definitely get the feeling of a bit of, a bit of overwhelmed right now with top shop. Yeah. I think that's actually a really interesting point. Um, and it's, I think it kind of like, it makes me think about something else, which is just in general, the idea of 
any game you play. And it's like thinking about Top Shot as a game. Like when you think back to when you are first learning about a game. And like, like I remember playing League of Legends when I was in high school and it like just come out. And I think like, oh man, it was so much fun. We had no idea what we were doing, but it was just like all these new and exciting things all the time. Like I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to not be able to keep track of everything for a very casual player because there is this like sense of, oh man, there's always something new. Whoa, I go to this new page and there's this new crazy thing happening. I don't know what it means, but it can be very frustrating for someone who like wants to take the, take it very seriously. And so it's like a very difficult balancing act of like, you know, I have invested real money in this and I want to see my account valuation go up and I want to do a good job and be prudent with what I'm doing. And it feels overwhelming versus someone who checks it once a week and goes, oh, crap, this is some cool new thing I can do. That's exciting. Yeah, I think that's fair because I think the way that we kind of talk about the larger NFT market, you know, the people that are in it right now are the mega fans, the hyper fans, whether it is of avatars and art, whether it is of the musicians with Blau and some of those, you know, we get NFTs that or whether it's Top Shot and, you know, these are the people that really love this platform. The majority of the retail investors, the majority of the kind of collectors that come in the future are going to be far more casual. And to your point, Andy, maybe that makes sense that a casual person comes in and yeah, maybe they jump in a challenge or something. Maybe like, hey, if I get this pack drop, then I'll jump in and like they're okay with that. But I, you know, I think it's challenging because the people that are in it right now feel as if a, hey, I've already probably, you know, majority of people have lost money. I need to kind of optimize as much as possible. And for me to get the most bang for my buck, for me to make sure that this pack is EV, I really got to optimize around this challenge. And I got to make a decision whether or not I should be buying or selling and when I should. And like, it's a lot. And like, that's where, I mean, TJ, like, why that's like where we provide value, we think to kind of help with these decision-making, but it's challenging and we get that. And I guess that's one of the things that we'll try to continue to improve upon just to how do we make things easy for all users and not just the people who are, you know, watching this show every Monday, Wednesday, club top shot on Tuesday and whatever else you want on Thursday and such. And like, that's not the future. That's uh, you know, that that's not for everyone. Yeah. And then, so where, where have you been spending your time these days, Andy? I know you've got obviously a, a lot going on. Is you spend oh, most of the time with with fractional with the NFT stuff, and then you know we're gonna we'll have to press you on some Top Shot here a little bit as I already saw you responding to some some of the yeah. people on on the Twitterverse today. Yeah, so I've been spending the majority of my time working on fractional, which has been you know I've I've never started a company or like raised funds or hired people and all of that stuff before. Um, not surprisingly, it's a shit ton of work. Can we get a quick overview for everyone? What is Fractional? What are you building? Why are you building it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, kind of the really extremely basic kind of product offering of what Fractional is, is it's a way for people to own uh, like a percentage of an NFT. So someone can come to the platform and say they have a LeBron James Cosmic. Uh, we're not going to initially support flow, just not to confuse anyone, but at some point we certainly plan to. Uh, you can come and you can kind of put on fractional and turn it into a bunch of fungible tokens. And then those can be traded on the open market as a representation of percentage ownership of any particular NFT or a group of NFTs. Um, that's the kind of really basic version. Um, I, I won't leak too much about kind of some of the cool, fun stuff that can come as that kind of evolves. Um, 
but yes, that's that's the the very quick version of of what fractional is. Uh, yeah, and so that that's been taking a, a lot of my time, and then alongside that, uh, I've mostly been focusing on some of these like NFT drops and, and all that kind of stuff, but mostly from the vein of just like trying to really figure out what the hell's going on with NFTs, <laughs> more so than necessarily like participating in them that much myself. Like I've, I've minted, um, I minted a couple of a few of the ones that have happened, but like I totally missed the the cranium. The wicked craniums and I, that's a bummer because those were actually really cool like, I, I, I like the artwork for those i'm i'm a little bummed i didn't i didn't mint more of those um and i did like the bonds eyes because i thought those were kind of fun but yeah. i think in the end what i learned there is people really like things that have faces on them which apparently is just like super important right now <laughs> but yeah so that, that's been the majority of of my time and then uh, I've been also just like watching a lot of playoff basketball in my free time more so than like browsing NFTs and stuff. Cause like that, the reason I got into top shot in the first place outside of crypto is I do love basketball. And so I've been spending a couple hours every night, just like kind of relaxing and watching basketball, which has been really nice. I mean, it's been one of the most exciting from a whole playoffs that I think we've seen in a while. Now, obviously the injuries kind of put a dampener on things, but, uh, overall just, not having that one clear team in the East or even that one clear team in the West, which we've seen recently too. Uh, it's been just great to watch from a basketball stance. And I know I've enjoyed that aspect. Uh, but so for fractional, how would you compare and make, you know, don't have to give whatever, but like, I know that you've been involved in these DAOs. So decentralized autonomous organizations, they've kind yeah. of pulled off, they've kind of come together around people who kind of want to come together and, buy either large large auctions large assets or maybe a group of something um are you just creating is it a better a more user-friendly version of these or how would you say they kind of compare and contrast what you're building and then how the DAOs have been going yeah it's, that's actually a very good question and that is also somewhere i've spent a lot of time is I've, i'm a pretty active member of pleaser dow which you guys may or may not have seen kind of transacting on the web we bought like the doge nft and we have some other cool stuff coming uh, but that takes like a lot of my time, way more than I expected it to, honestly. Um, and so kind of where I view fractional as being like, so I, I do personally think of DAOs as like fractional ownership of NFTs, assuming that that DAO does collect NFTs and do all of that. Like to a certain extent, my share of Pleaser DAO is a share of all the different NFTs that we've purchased. Uh, but it's a very involved share of those nfts where we're voting on things and we're having long conversations in telegram about the direction of what we want to do and uh like we had a hour-long call today for planning for the week of how we go about our call later next week of of an acquisition of something else and it is it is seriously involved and so kind of fractional is trying to push as far in the opposite direction of that as possible where it's extremely uninvolved and you just buy some percentage of this nft and you just chill with it and then maybe you decide hey i want to sell this percentage now or i want to sell half of it or maybe someone comes and buys out the entire nft and so there's not really like you don't have to be in a five different telegram chats trying to manage the ownership of this nft uh, that's really the main difference and so kind of a bit of my like thesis on fractionalization in general is that long term you're gonna we're gonna find ourselves with these two different groups of fractionalized assets the ones that are very heavily involved, like DAOs and collecting clubs and all of that, and then the ones that are very lazy and, and uninvolved. And so we're just trying to lean very hard into the lazy, uninvolved version of this. 
very much like a rally road, right. uh, Otis, all those kind of things. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and then, uh, this is some chat, chat questions when we were talking about the NFTs though. Cause I mean, I see someone making a joke about the sewer rats and someone else is like, Hey, let's talk about it. And just rattled off a list of like 10 different of these avatars and stuff. Um, my first question and kind of one of my, you know, I think that there's manipulation going on with some of these sales. And I know we've seen it previously, possibly saw, probably saw this on the crypto punks as well, where someone sells it to their own wallet and it looks like it is a sale. And then it sets, because these are all speculative assets, it sets that market value and you're supposed to then, it creates this illusion of demand at a higher price point than it probably is. How often do you think there's games being played like that or other forms of whether it's shilling or whether it's, you know, handshake deals that lead, lead to influencers backing projects. Like, I think that's my number one hesitancy for what I'm seeing with a lot of these kind of projects. And I, I'm worried if that like kind of, and I'd love to hear from chat, like, is that something that chat also feels like, is this kind of, does this scare people off? Is this something that I'm just making up my head and it's just like only happens rarely, but I'm make, making up bigger than it is. I think it really depends. So like, Good. that's not, that's not <laughs> yeah. I know it's super helpful, uh, but I'll, I'll try to expand on that a bit. Uh, you know, like I, I think at this point, for example, CryptoPunks, I think that market is very evolved at this point. I any time that there's like not a not a six figure, but if there's a seven figure transaction in CryptoPunks, I generally know both both parties involved, and so like I can personally attest to. I uh, over the last year, I don't believe there have been any seven figure CryptoPunk purchases that have been not above board. Um, granted, not many other projects are really seeing that level of, of trading volume and individual sales. And so it's significantly easier to manipulate and all of that. Uh, but I also do know, like with Board Ape Yacht Club, I know a lot of the really large spenders there who are, who are buying a lot and they're legitimately buying them. I, you know, I, are they pumping their own bags because they have a lot of Board Ape Yacht Clubs? Maybe, but you know, where do you draw the line between right. someone who wants to buy a bunch of shit and just someone who's trying to pump their own bags? If they want to drop six figures to to try to pump their own bags right. like that's kind of their right i think <laughs> um it's more I'm, I'm, I'm much more okay with putting your money where your mouth is than just like tweeting for your followers to to buy right. your stuff uh but i like i i also do like it just being someone with a non-trivial twitter following at this point i'll get dms from like random projects that are like hey you want to chill our project and i just don't answer any of those like, i would never do that um but it, to the most, to the, for, I think that obviously there are times where this isn't the case, but I do think the projects that have staying power and don't just like sell out and then no one hears about them again, generally aren't going to be those types of projects. Um, like the like Board Ape Yacht Club or some of these other ones, like seemingly they're at least trying to make something cool and interesting. And it's hard to say whether or not the founders are manipulating these things and doing stuff. But I do definitely think that like people are taking advantage of the fact that you can get a lot of headlines for buying something for $50,000, $100,000, and all of a sudden getting a bunch of conversations on Twitter and being on the top of crypto slam for a day and people will react to that in a certain way. But I also think that the market is going to kind of evolve past that really quickly. Like it's not something that's going to last for a very long time because Someone does it one time, people get burned really bad. And then it was like, okay, 
well, let's let's see what happens next time. And then if it happens again, like, right, you, you can only do it so many times, and then it's going to stop working. And I mean, no question, it feels like I mean, there's there's no question there's an overload of these projects right now, but it's also in a two three month period. So like, it's all still extremely new. This is a feeling that, as you said, like it's definitely an in the moment kind of thing, and we expect it to evolve. I did really agree, and. I hate doing this because I want to give the person credit. And I was just looking to see if I could find it. And maybe you actually know Andy, but someone yesterday put out a great thread where they actually analyzed how many actual unique owners are in these various NFT avatar projects and like had the web comparing it. If you find it, we'll give the shout out. I think it was person. someone named Kai on Twitter. Okay. Um, so we'll look at that. Find but it real quick. What, so, and what they basically found is that, a majority of the unique ownership is around 40% for these projects. I think that's pretty well known. But then when you actually map it out for across all of them, it's kind of a market of around 14,000 people. And uh, yeah. the the Gary V was the most unique ones where they brought in around three or 4,000 that are not kind of in the rest of NFT. And uh, as Ryan here in chat mentioned, like once the projects start to increase mint size, if they do, it's going to be really challenging because if you only actually have maybe six to 10,000 who are really active in this space. And all we're doing is just every new project is competing against these same, you're competing against the same people. We're not bringing new people into this. Okay. Yep. Thank you, TJ. Um, and so it, there's a, there you go. So the 14,000 there, 10,000, if you get rid of V friends, like, and we're just competing against the same people, unless we actually bring in, maybe this is similar to what we talked about top shot. Like, is there that need to bring on that new ecosystem? And if you don't do that, I'm concerned with what happens. Yeah. So I think like immediately looking at these numbers, what I thought was kind of this all makes sense up to this point then. So if you have 10,000 unique people who are all aping into 10,000, one of 10,000 unique things, and it's just 10,000 people who really like avatar projects, then for the first 15 or so, maybe they're just going to, you know, do relatively well. And then they'll kind of all have their own little scale of how well they're doing compared to all the other ones based on how good the artwork is or how good the creators are at creating community. Um, but it, it can't sustain itself. That's really the thing is you need, you need to have that outside user input to just more money flowing in for it to continue to, to grow the way that it is and continue to just like sustain the amount of releases and drops people are doing. But like seeing to me, seeing 10,000 unique addresses as not insanely valuable as that is, because I could make 500 unique addresses in the next two minutes and fill them all with enough Ethereum to buy a board ape. Uh, it's, I thought it was like actually kind of promising that it wasn't just like 50. And I, I'd be interested to see I, I didn't have enough time to like really dive into this thread. What percentage, you know? is it 500 addresses that own 95% of every single one of these? And then it's just some small percentage after that and, and all of that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, like, I think that it's a sizable yeah. group of people. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And it seemed like TJ, if you go down, there's a, a ladder chart, I'll call it here. Let's click on this one right here. This is actually the underlying data. So you can see what it's telling us is the blue is how many unique owners are in that project. The gray, it's hard to tell on his screen, but it's basically the cross application of. Uh, so, what's the top left, TJ? First, what's the first? Uh, I think it's V friends. Uh, my bad. Round zoom. Yeah, maybe just one tiny bit less. Um, there you go. Okay. So, top um, left. So, uh, 
<laughs> You're almost there. Oh, well, now we can. What the hell? All right, well, it's fine. We know that the, there we go. Perfect, perfect, perfect. perfect. So you can see um, BAYC and BAKC has tremendous overlap, and that makes complete sense because you got your dog promoting an ape. Uh, but then across the board, like how many do we have? And I guess MeBits, you have the most of a unique from 4,600, but also how many MeBits are there? Is it 20,000? Yeah, and I think also this doesn't show punks. And it doesn't, so and I don't know why that. Yeah. Half of, half of the punk... Half the MeBit mints were just from punk owners. And so right. not showing punks here is a little strange to me. Because I, I agree with that. I don't know that. why that was. Um, but I mean, I think it, overall we're seeing that other than maybe the MeBits 4,000, the Bored Ape 4,000, the Friends 4,500, there aren't that many unique. And while our total unique is around that 14,000 or 10,000 without VFriends, um, we're still talking about that same pool. And long-term, I don't think it's a problem. Uh, I'm not sure how popular new avatar projects are going to be in five years, to be honest. I think there's a level of value of it just being so early on and people just kind of having that OG. Uh, I think in three years, we're probably going to see more of avatar projects that are a bit more 3D renderings and able to be used in the metaverse. Um, and then it's going to be less of the origin and more of the actual utility, um, like what you can really do with that and how it looks in the different worlds. Um, that's kind of just guessing forward thinking, but it's, it's an interesting thing to look at and then to relate to Top Shot, where we always talk about bring in more people, bring in more people. That's going to solve everything. Maybe it does, but I think as Top Shot's showing us, it needs to be done the right way. Yeah, for sure. I think all of these um, like avatar projects have actually really made me reevaluate kind of what I think about the avatar projects in general. So I think there's a couple things, which is very interesting. And so like, I mean, maybe it'll be proven wrong, but it seems like board apes have serious staying power. And I, I like relative generally bet against them, not in so much as like finding a way to short them. I just, I didn't mint any, I didn't really own very many. I, I didn't, I haven't really made any money off board apes. Uh, and so I, and what I, was caught off by what well, was caught by surprise on, and what I think I kind of missed is like there's a lot more than ten thousand people in the world who could ever want to have a provably rare profile picture, and so I think that we're going to kind of see these cycles of so you have like CryptoPunks came and they're the OG. I, I don't think they're going anywhere ever. I think they're always going to be the most valuable collectible avatar picture, uh, just because of everything that has yep. to go on with them. And then I think you see we now see this new wave of avatar that's with a new generally new group of people a lot of people who came from top shot and all this other stuff and i think board apes kind of like won that because they were they were generally first it was good artwork and now you have a bunch of copycats and, and they've so done it right just, they, they've done it right too their yeah, their track sure. record afterwards has been spot on yeah yeah I, and i will say i i generally bet against them they are awesome i now i've I, that was just me totally messing I'm up. Bitter. I'm awesome. bitter. I never bought one. Me and oh, Justin. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely I mean, bitter, I remember but... the conversation, Justin. It was probably, what, three, three, four weeks ago? Maybe four weeks ago? They were at just under one ETH when we talked about it. And we even put wasn't... out a tweet, I think, I about it. And then we just, we just never... didn't have the t – it's a time thing. It's yeah. uh, yeah. it, it, it's a – and it's that's one of the things, I mean, especially when you're having a company-wise, but, like, we just didn't allocate the time and missed out. And no question, I agree with you. I mean, like, I mean, missed out on Board Apes, wish I had, um, but – it's, it's hard to keep track of all these things. Yeah. And then, so to me, like, I think Bored Apes has kind of won the preeminent version two avatar thing. 
and it's never going to be version one, but it is what it is. And maybe there's enough space in this version two world where craniums do well and me bits do well, but probably not ever as well as board apes do. And then probably in a few more years, we're going to have a new wave of people who have come into crypto and are excited about NFTs and understand why it's important to have a, a rare virtual avatar. And like you're saying, maybe, maybe they're of a different kind and they're more like 3D world ready or something. And we'll probably see uh, whatever the next board apes is in a few years, uh, maybe even a faster time horizon now since we're kind of expediting everything. Um, but that's kind of how I, how I view the space now is like, Probably not right now, but at some point in the next two years, we'll probably see some other avatar project that also blows up and does a 200x and actually has staying power and isn't just people like pumping and dumping. Right. And it, it, it'll have to be something unique. It's not just going to be mm. different artwork. It's going to have 100%. some other aspect. And, you know, and that's going to, and that's what, that's what really what Bored Apes did is Bored Apes took, okay, so you have the idea of an NFT avatar. They added the cool, they took the characteristics that, CryptoPunks taught us about and the traits. They added a local, you know, the cool artistic aspect to it, the ape aspect. And then I think their big thing was the community and kind of the build around the ecosystem. Then you have a bunch of people, it seems like, have kind of tried to take 90% of that, add their own flair or whatever, uh, whatever that next big one is. And I do think it's going to be some form of digital utility in a, you know, metaverse type of world. Um, but again, if you build that now, it's probably too soon. Because yep. if you don't yeah, have people who are actually leveraging the metaverse and doing it through whatever, you know, the VR or however you're going to do it, you, you got to time it right. So uh, it's it, it's interesting dynamics. For sure. Anything else on the avatars? I would just say be careful to everyone who's still doing it. Yeah. Just be really careful. At some point, this gravy train of minting bulls on the block and everything else that comes along with it. Uh, is going to end. I personally didn't do any of the bulls and I probably, unless it pers for me at this point, it's if I really think they look super cool and I'd be happy to hold that bag for a long time, then I'll do it. But otherwise at this point, like I'm generally staying away and I'm a pretty risk on person in general. I will echo, take what you've learned from Top Shot and apply it to these other areas because, okay, I think Board Apes has staying power let me play the devil's advocate here. There's all these board apes. It is valuable. They're increasing in value because there's a community and everything. You've got all that. Board apes does one bad thing that the community disagrees with. Sentiment starts to change. And if you start seeing a sell-off, and I'm using board apes as an example, but really it's just any of these. Once sentiment starts to change and people selling off, what value does that one really hold over all of the others? And so... I think a lot of people who have gotten these bored apes bought in for very cheap amounts, the same kind of complaints that people have been making about the top shot OGs in S1. We can get into that later, Andy. Um, but I mean, like you've got a lot of people who have now have like apes that are worth substantially more money than they started with. They put in a couple hundred dollars and they're sitting on something that might be worth five, 10, 15, 20,000 plus dollars people are going to look to profit on it if they're fearful that it's going to go to nothing. If they lose that value that they see in the community, if they lose that whatever kind of utility they're getting from a digital experience, um, and maybe it never happens with apes. And, you know, I think of all the, you know, these ones five months agreed, apes has most staying power. The other ones, just be careful and kind of take what you've learned from Top Shot and think about how it may apply here. That's all I'll go with. Yeah, I think that's well said. 
And all yeah. I have to say, maybe there's going to be some crazy cool Avatar project that comes out and it looks sick. And they're like, I'll, I'll probably buy some. Yeah. But and not with the expectation of making money. And hopefully gas won't be $900 like it was <laughs> on the boat. Like a whole nother conversation. But uh, this makes you appreciate flow. Yeah. Well, and I think there's something to learn there too. Just so one last aside yeah. here. Uh, it, you have like 24 hours to mint board apes. Now you have like four minutes to mint these things. That's because the market is getting more efficient and people have realized that there's money to be made here. The people who minted board apes thought it was cool. Now the people who are minting bulls on the block don't think it's cool. I bet most of them don't. And if they tell you they are, they're probably lying. And they probably now know that they could probably they can make some money off of this. And like that's very evident by the speed at which these things are being minted and just the speed in which they're being put out. And so it's something to be aware of as you're watching these things. Is that sounds like February as, Top Shop. Yeah, exactly. It, and it follows in, in tons of markets. But as as the market gets more and more, as when it becomes very clear that there's money to be made, people are going to come in who don't care at all about the product. And that's just kind of the way that it works. And you can see that very clearly with the minting of these collectibles. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think it's a good good transition into some top shot talk because before we'll get into some challenge analysis stuff, but did want to talk to you, Andy, because there's been so I was on a stream last Tuesday with the judge who just streams on Twitch until all all hours of the night, pretty much every night. And uh, you know, he was really pressing on this idea of the top shot OGs and now all of the all of the Top Shot debut badges moments are being sold off by all the OGs, and not the first time I've seen that. Saw some chat about it on Twitter. As a you know Top Shot OG yourself, how, how do you kind of respond to that? I mean, I know that you said you're literally trying to buy a house right now, but for people that you know, because I think it's people's right to to have that kind of concern or to to call that out. But as someone who has actually in that situation how would you kind of break that down yeah so i i won't try to really guess what anyone else is doing in their personal yeah, situations yeah, sure. I, I honestly i don't really talk to a ton of the like guys when it was 100 people in top shot i don't keep up with a ton of them super closely it's a lot of just like hey man how's it going been a while man th this shit's crazy yeah um other than a couple here and there uh but like for me personally uh I generally have like not really sold anything up until the last couple of months. And so there's been a couple of major catalysts there for me. And I would imagine you could probably extrapolate this out to a couple of other people who are also on the platform. Um, so for one, uh, I'm trying to buy a house and I need money to buy a house and crypto is down significantly. Uh, crypto, crypto is down more than my top shot account is down. Uh, and so selling some top shot moments is a very easy way to buy a house. Uh, and I'm incredibly thankful to be in a position where that's even like words that come out of my mouth. Um, and then at the same time, uh, I always at some point knew I had to take some profit with Top Shot. Like it's just, it's an absolutely irresponsible amount of my net worth in, in NBA collectibles as much as I love it and still like look at the site every day to see what deals there are that it, it still is just like irresponsible. Uh, I can now withdraw money with any real like speed. And so previously it would take me like literally a month to withdraw, like not even five figures. And now I can do that pretty consistently. And so it's, a, it's finally a period of time. And so like basically 
my choice up until now was I can only withdraw a very small amount of my account every month. And so I don't want to just sell all these moments because I love Top Shot and I'm long-term bullish on Top Shot. I don't want to sell these moments and then just sit on cash. I would rather sit on my moments. And when I have the opportunity to sell them where I can immediately withdraw, then I'll sell them and I'll take out that cash and basically sit on the moments as long as I can until it's easy for me to pull out. And so kind of a confluence of those two things is where I found myself in a place where I said, okay, I'm going to take some risk off the table and also put down a down payment on a house. And that's where I am personally. Uh, it doesn't really, for me, and again, I, only speaking for myself, it doesn't really have much to do with any level of site performance or moment. I, I don't really check my moment ranks or anything like that. I couldn't tell you what my account's worth. Um, but it's more just like I generally, and it's something that I've learned in being in the crypto space for a long time is like, I, I feel it's really good to just like have a plan and stick to a plan that you have kind of regardless of price action or hype or anything that's happening because it's really easy to get caught up either way in, Oh shit, the market's dumping. I have to sell everything, but maybe that wasn't what you were, what you were planning to do or, Oh, the market's going crazy. I have to hold and just like hold until it all dumps. Uh, generally when I think about things emotionally like that and around hype cycles and everything, I make mistakes. And so I try very, very hard to have a plan of what do I want to do and when do I want to do it? And I think probably for a lot of people who are in my position, part of that was being able to withdraw money from the site. And now I can do that relatively consistently with their, and then I know they have their new like VIP stuff, which I haven't even been added to yet, but I'm sure that it's helpful. Um, and all those different types of things. And so I think that there's probably a lot of people who are in similar positions. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I, I don't really know. But I think I'll, I'll say quickly, like as far as what I think about it, if I was in someone else's shoes or maybe this wasn't, yeah, I, I wasn't selling, but I was potentially on the buying side or just the holding side. People were going to sell these things eventually. Like no one's going to hold these things to their grave. And if you think that it's a good time to buy now, I don't think that who is selling really matters very much. Uh, it's a relatively an irrelevant statistic unless like someone's just insanely pushing down the price on one particular moment or something. Uh, and outside of that, like I, I think it probably doesn't really matter too much who is selling other than trying to understand why. Yeah. And I mean, TJ, I listened to you and the judge were talking and I'm just trying to like, I was trying to play through it in my head because I get uh, the frustration um, that judge and his community feels. Um, and it, it's unfortunate, like, you know, they feel like they didn't have the opportunity to be in early on. So they're kind of at a disadvantage. Um, but then there's also the talk of, but like they want to be able to own and like everyone wants to be able to own the valuable moments, the S1, the top shot debuts. So but you can't have it both ways. If you're upset, these people who own them, the kind of OGs are selling them and they're kind of driving the price down. Because the core, the opposite would be they don't sell them. And now those are extremely high price. And people like us don't have the ability to buy because it would cost us a few thousand to get, you know, just an S1 Top Shot debut. Um, and I think that's where, I don't know, it, it's challenging because what I understand the frustration, but I haven't heard, like, what, what is your solution? Like, it's not like we're going to just take these moments away from people who were in early on. Like, yeah, it's unfortunate that like it may be so concentrated in those people to the 99% that didn't have, didn't have that opportunity or at least weren't involved. Um, but like, 
okay, so what, what can we do about it? And that's what I think I'd love to hear. And like, Josh, I'll listen to some of your upcoming shows, but I'd love to hear from you. Like, maybe come up with solutions around like, okay, so what do you feel is the right play here? Because obviously we're not just going to take the moments from them. And at the end of the day, like if they don't sell them, even if we said made up a random rule, they can only sell one a week. What does that do? Well, it obviously manipulates the market and such, but if anything, it just keeps those prices higher. And now you and I have less of a chance to buy them. So I think we just have to kind of accept that like, hey, they have a bunch. Every moment they sell is going to someone who is paying a significantly higher price for it right now than they bought it for. That means that person values it more than the person who's selling it on a one-to-one basis. So in reality, the market is actually strengthening through every one of those S1 sales from an OG to a person buying it now. And to take that another step, like Andy, all those moments, not all moments, but a ton of those moments are one, two, three dollars. And like you bought them because you bought them in packs. No one who's buying today is getting an S1 moment in a pack until we get to that pack thing later on. But like when you buy an S1 now, you are purposefully buying that specific player. Like you are making a decision. I want that moment. I want that player. And you're taking it. You're buying it from someone who likely just got it randomly in a pack and may not have any allegiance to that player. So long term, it is strengthening the market because it's actually putting these moments into people who want to hold it's a bit unfortunate how I get like, you know, they control the market. They have ability to drink, bring down the price price. It is what it is though. Um, and I think that's the way that I kind of see it where like, I get the sentiment, but I'm also taking a stance of, okay, it is what it is. And let's figure out what we can kind of strategize further. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point too, about uh, like if people want to buy cool moments, they have to be for sale in the first place. <laughs> um I, it's something I've actually thought about a lot for a couple particular reasons. And so there was a period of time, and this was forever ago. This was, I don't know, like maybe early December of last year. And I like that I that's had, forever ago because I agree it feels like forever ago. <laughs> yeah, it feels like eternity <laughs> ago. So I had the opportunity to buy there was this account from this collector named uh motor rats i think his name is or mod rats or something uh and he had a really really impressive top shot account he had the zion number one uh base in mgle lebron um kobe tribute and block uh from the top jersey numbers uh and the um throwdown jersey number and he had he had an extremely impressive account and i had the opportunity back then to buy it. And this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous. 20,000. I had the opportunity to buy it. No, way more than that. Sadly, okay. I would have done it. Okay. Uh, it was, I think $160,000 wow. to buy his entire account. But back then uh, that, felt, that, that was a lot. Like I, could, I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger. I was like, it's yeah. too much money. And, and that was when Bitcoin was good. So this was when Bitcoin was originally, like if I remember yeah. correctly, it was like four and change Bitcoin. And so it was when Bitcoin had first like pumped to 40 K and I was like, Shit, man, how am I going to pass up on, how am I going to get rid of my Bitcoin when Top Shot's doing nothing at the time? And, but now in retrospect, so I didn't, I didn't take the deal. Uh, in the end, Pranksy ended up taking a deal with him. I don't, I don't know what the terms of their agreement was, but he took a deal. I, I offered him 120K for it and they said no. So I have to imagine it was more than that. Um, but Pranksy sold all those moments on the marketplace and Jack Settlement bought the one and okay. Vegas shows yeah. bought, bought another and, Someone else bought the LeBron throwdown and Beanie bought one and auctioned it off at, at Heritage Sports. And like part of me thinks like 
what would have, and not to like think too highly of myself, but I wouldn't have sold those. What would be different right now if Jack never bought a LeBron jersey number for $50,000 and then Vegas didn't come in and buy one for $75,000? And like the, the butterfly effect of me not buying those because I would have never sold them at those prices. I knew there you may not be on club more. top shot. Jack wouldn't be on club top shot. We wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be talking here today. Like it's crazy, but yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's obviously not an exact one-to-one and like, I'm not trying to say like it's a perfect comparison, but it is funny to think about sometimes like there have, there does have to be a fluid market of these things where you can prove how valuable they are to really like to have staying power and make the case for why they're important. It's just funny to think about. Very interesting. And I'm going to say one more thing because the judge did just say, um, yeah, and I'm not telling you that you need a solution, but I mean, hey, we did start a dialogue dialogue here. So props to you for at least getting that conversation going. Um, And uh, it's worth discussing. And I think Andy, as Andy said on Twitter, when someone and no one was calling anyone out, someone was just like, hey, let's let's continue this discussion. Let's have it going. And uh, I I do believe and I hope that uh, this is going to be a, a conversation that we have now in the short term, but like in due time it's not going to be as relevant going forward. And uh, we shouldn't have this issue for any of like, you know, when UFC comes out or potentially any of the other sports, uh, because it's going to be such a different game when everyone has that. Everyone knows what to expect from a getting in demand consumers, et cetera, for these new ones. And I think that's just going to be a, a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, for sure. And I totally understand the sentiment of like, that being concerning or scary to see people who do have very large accounts selling stuff because it's, it, it's very much like a, okay, this person has been involved since July of last year. Why are they now selling a bunch of moments? And like, I, I totally get that. Um, and like, again, I can't speak for anyone other than myself, but like my long-term belief in top shot has in no way wavered in me selling some small percentage of my account. It's just like being responsible with my money and, doing other things. And so I'm sure that there are people who do feel that way. And I'm sure there are some people who are sick of top shot and don't want to be a part of it anymore. And it'd be really interesting to hear their opinions on, on why they feel that way. I certainly do not, uh, by any means, but I I totally understand why that would be concerning. And I, I agree very much so that it's good to have a dialogue with people who are doing that and understand where they're coming from. Good chat. Good chat. Andy, we got to ask what the drink is. I've seen someone speculate <laughs> that it's a bush light. I've seen someone say it's a fresca. The people want to know no. what Does anyone, the man anyone is Anyone in the chat have a better guess before I reveal? I don't think anyone's going to get it, but it's a, uh, I don't see anything. It's a Montauk Summer Ale. Very nice. Oh, light. Ale. Someone yeah. saying a bush light cracked me up. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> You're drinking a bush light. No, I, I can safely say that I generally try to stay away from beers that I would have had at a frat party when I'm drinking in my apartment at nine o'clock on a Monday. That's just not the <laughs> time for that. I like that. Uh, shout out to the chat. Remember, we're going to be opening some packs, getting those giveaways. So put, put producer Coop to work, talk in the chat, make him put you on the list. He's got to, he's got to earn his $0 salary somehow. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Do you have any thoughts? Sorry, I don't want to take too long here, but do you have any thoughts around kind of the question, the conversation of how do you democratize? So let's say ignoring all the moments that are already owned, how do you democratize the top shot account owned series one moments? I have a couple things that I think about those things. That'd be really cool. But 
I'm curious if you guys have any opinions or feelings about kind of their distribution methods and all of that for those. Yeah. Um, I think they've taken the right step with the moments aspect for the tickets from a, the intent being everyone over the next six, nine months is going to be able to collect these moments for tickets. The OGs are not going to turn in any of their S1 moments per a ticket. So no one that has been in the platform early on has an advantage over anyone else. Uh, people from March on that have been active, which you could call the, you know, the new wave, uh, all have an equal playing field. Um, mm -hmm. So I like that aspect, and I believe I'm, I'm in agreement with that intent. Um, I do, I do think that burning should really come into play, and uh, I think there are some other methods. But I think from an intent-wise, it needs to be fairly distributed based off recent activity. Is what I would throw in. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I, I would be very open and happy for them to even like limit people who have more than five of any one particular moment from being able to like in any way participate from receiving those moments in the future or anything like that I, it gets a lot more tricky in that sense because like you don't want to discourage people who are new but like uh, if there was a way where they could say everyone who held five lebron james kobe dunks from before december of 2020 like cannot receive one from one of these packs like as someone who would not be able to get one i think that'd be great i think it'd actually be like really smart if they could figure if they could figure out the ways to make all that kind of stuff work it just gets really hard really complicated really fast and there's going to be that person who joined on november yeah. 27th that, that's the that's the hard part that's the hard part is that you can't yeah. make everyone happy right and we see it yeah you know we see it all the time first there was not enough packs and then they put more packs and now people are saying there's too many packs and but I, yeah i definitely agree that conversation is hilarious <laughs> I'm, I'm i could i could talk about the old days of Top Shot, where we had these exact same conversations five months ago for a long time, but amazing. We don't have to do that tonight. Amazing, yeah. We'll uh, we'll have to do that another night as we're we're way over on our agenda here, Justin. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm okay with that. Not that we're gonna no, run this show too late, but push things off. So news and yeah. notes. Rohan put out a tweet thread yesterday. We'll discuss that on Wednesday. The challenge analyses. We can push that to Wednesday. Agreed. I've got no issues with that. Um, th this this discussion is far more important than uh, you know what you and I, can, TJ, can talk about on Wednesday. Yeah, I think I think we'll get right into into the fun stuff here. Yeah. I will I will just say that you can check out Justin's. I, I at least got a shill here, Justin. That's fair. That's fair. We, we're not going to dive deep into the challenges, but we are. Can I, Andy? I think you yeah. need to check out my challenge analysis because I've heard you do these challenge analyses on the club top shot. And I think we need to we, we, we need to kind of bring you over to the OTM from uh, leveraging the challenges the challenge stuff there. All right, hit me. Sounds you, you, you want to hit him? All right, so everyone, you can go to the OTM site. You can hit content up top, and we've got the new section called the Herzig Bot. You have to be a registered OTM account user in order to access this information. So you can but anyone can register in the top right. You can log in there. And yeah, he recently, Justin also put out an introduction to the challenges article cool. So you can check that out first, but then, uh, yeah, so we've got, we'll, we'll dive on in here. So here we go. The metallic gold challenge. You can see the lovely Kyrie dunk there. And you know, what Justin does is just provide a, you know, his high level kind of projection on how many people he thinks are going to complete the challenge, the projection of the reward, the, expected value of the challenge as a result writes up a nice little 
article as to why he made certain assumptions and uh, then have the, the analysis itself at the bottom. So Justin, you want to talk a little bit more about the process and then we can dive deeper into it next time. That's good. Let's go to the hollow icon, hollow icon one, because I know that's one of the ones that Andy was also talking about in one of the previous challenges, because it's interesting, like it, it doesn't apply to the mass market. Only one, you know, less than 1% can actually afford to do this, but there's no question. These have been the most profitable ways to, uh, you know, if you, if you have a high value market, but I think there's still some just really interesting learnings from these challenge analyses. Uh, so if you scroll down, for example, this one has the Lamello in it and Lamello right now. So this was as of last night was going for 7,300. Um, it's really interesting is we got to think about, okay, so what is this post challenge estimate going to be? I believe, and it's written up there, but it's something like Anthony Edwards is something like 6,200, 6,300 low ask. If you compare that Lamello to the, you know, Edwards, everyone's going to say Lamello should be worth more than Edwards. All of his moments across the board are, if you look at the, you know, the, the three badger, if you look at his others, but we can't keep that there because what we've actually seen happen is post these challenges, especially for the whole, um, the MGLEs, but in general, we see a new floor being created as people try to liquidate because nobody, people don't want to hold on to the Jaron Jackson, Malcolm Brogdon. So that liquidation actually takes the floor, which the current floor for the uh, hollows is, and I'm testing my memory here, but I think it's around like that high 700s. We actually see the bottom of the floor bring dragging it down post challenge, and the top. I have the Lamelo actually settling at about a thousand less than what that Anthony Edwards is, and that doesn't mean that like oh that's silly like a Mellow's should always be worth more than Anthony Edwards. Agreed, but there's another dynamic is that Anthony Edwards is now going to drop as well, and so I think these analyses are really interesting because even if you have no intention of trying to complete it understanding how these challenges impact the rest of the market. If you were one of the people who pulled a hollow moment and same thing with the MGLE is really interesting from, if you're trying to play that kind of uh day-to-day game aspect. Yeah, I totally agree. That's very interesting. I'd, I'd be curious to see a little more about how you decided like a Lamello is going to drop 1900. Can you share any more about like kind of how you, came to that number I'm not saying you're right or wrong yep. i just yeah so no so in general uh and that intro to challenge actually kind of wrote wrote up this a little bit but we've built out a general algorithm that takes into account um things like in that set where are the moments actual values historical trends where we see past each challenge during the recent market how much does the floor actually change uh and then kind of a market cap base, but we use market cap based off the circulation count as well. So like a market cap of a 40K and a market cap of an MGLE are not comp, um, but take that into account to kind of get these projections. The mm-hmm. Lamello was honestly the most difficult one in this because it involved the most actual subjectivity because you can't compare it to that Anthony Edwards. So we actually took a look and said, okay, so if we expect that the hollow challenge analysis across the board, moments are going to drop at a 10 to 10 to 15%. Now we need to compare where will Lamello end up compared to those new moments. And uh, that's where like, I think the Anthony Edwards, now the Anthony Edwards does not have as many people trying to undercut and sell because the ones who did want to do that already did it before. So it just is a stagnant market. But just because that Anthony Edwards is sitting at 6,300 doesn't mean that's what people would pay for it right now. So I expect that over the next two weeks that Anthony Edwards is actually going to drop down to around like 4,500 or something that Lamella yeah. will sit at the 5,400 and that's that new. But like these hollows are so difficult because 
all you need is to, and we, we make sure we write this up specifically because you shouldn't be completing these kind of hollows with the expectation that you're going to go sell off because all you need is two people to get an undercutting and very, very few people are trying to buy these moments after the hollow icon because just why in the market right now and would you not just buy it during it and get the free, you know, the, ex the free plus expected value? Yep. Yeah, that's really interesting. How much weight do you put? I guess this is where it gets really subjective. So immediately looking at LaBella Ball in particular, the player I immediately compare him to is Zion in series one. Just probably the best yeah. the best but rookie. I can't, I can't compare. I can't compare. Well, so I will say not in how much their moments should be worth comparatively, but in so much as uh, Zion is the best rookie of okay. series one and LaMelo is the best rookie of series two. And so like for me, immediately looking at the market caps of the, of Zion's moments from series one, his, and with a take with a grain of salt, like they're just insanely illiquid moments. Right. So right now his hollow is more than two X the market cap of any other moment on the site. More realistically, I'd say let's drop it down to the cosmic, which where it's slightly more than his base moment. And when you look at LaMelo right now, it is by far his lowest market cap moment. And so like, and so this is like based on almost nothing else than the fact that for Zion, his highest valued moment on the entire site is his hollow. And for LaMelo currently, his is the lowest. And so then it's a question of who's wrong. Someone's, someone's wrong. Right. And, and so that, that to me is very interesting. That is. Uh, like if, if I didn't know that LaMelo was in a challenge right now and I like haven't been paying super close attention, I'm going to buy that LaMelo hollow at some point. Uh, I would very actively consider buying it right now, but I'm going to wait until after the challenge is over. Um, but to me, it like already seems cheap. And so it, it's interesting trying to figure out like those comparisons. And that was where like some of the challenges previously I felt okay doing because I, well, well like I got the Tyrese hollow and I just held the Anthony Edwards hollow. I'm not going to sell it because Same here. I yep. think they're pretty good rookies. And so it, the, the rookies in particular to me are super interesting trying to yeah. figure out how do you appropriately value these things? Cause they're like the one hollow of these sets, unless it's, if it's a player's first ever legendary moment, I think that's kind of cool. But when it's, you know, the rookies is where you can really have that special legendary moment. Uh, it, it's very hard to value these things. Yep, completely right. Um, and so to touch on, I think that the two main things there, one is, and you did touch on it, I think you're in agreement, but there's ju it's just not possible for me to evaluate any of S1 moments to the S2 market just because they have their level of uniqueness. Um, and I think even the rookies, even though you say, yeah, well, LaMelo's is basically the same thing as like an S1, but like, it's not. Like Zion's is a rookie and it's also first one in top shot. Now, when you compare the Zion to the other moments, you know, in that set, I think that's interesting. Uh, but I think the other data points for a LaMelo with regards to the four badger, or the, the three badger, the slash 4K is a better comp for how we're comparing LaMelo to the rest of that field. Um, yeah. And like the lamello that's what i'm saying like according to the current holo prices lamello feels like it's actually almost a value for like what you'd expect but what yeah. i'm what we think is that the whole current holo market even though those prices are what they are it's not actually what the majority would sell for because no one's buying after the challenge the people who want in and so 
there's no question if you are still a bull, you know, bullish, a believer in top shot long-term and you have from a capital standpoint, like these are strong long-term holds. And I think that's where what you're saying is like, you're talking about, I want to buy the Lamello because I think that Lamello is going to be like, yeah, that's likely going to be his most valuable moment on the site forever. Boom. Yeah. Well, platinum, whatever, you know, that, yeah. Um, but like, that's a great long-term, but when do you buy it? And that's, uh, that's one thing I was saying in our discord earlier today is that I have, very, I have high confidence in the future and the long-term trajectory of Top Shot. I have very little confidence in what's going to happen over the next couple months. Yeah, and I also, I would literally never buy a moment while it is currently part of the challenge. Right, unless you're getting a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, that's the other thing. Like, if you have the Lamello, I mean, it's it's already a plus EV challenge. Right, yeah, yeah. So. yeah no, it's a, it, I think that especially with the hollows, uh, it's really interesting. I'll have to spend a little more time reading what you guys have there, but uh, I like that a lot. I think figuring out how much moments are going to drop after the fact is like the hardest part. Um, but if you have even just the slightest baseline for that, and maybe you feel strongly that one particular hollow player is going, you know, player in that challenge is going to outperform because they're going to win MVP next year, or they're going to be the MVP in the finals or something. Uh, it allows for some interesting avenues where you could kind of go against the grain or something. Right. And one of the things that we've discussed on here, and I'm just love, love, love the aspect is, you know, part of it's our, you know, fantasy sports background, uh, but being able to kind of profit or being able to kind of gain value from being right about something mm-hmm. on the site. And obviously there's the whole like market dynamics of we believe eventually it's going to come to a place where if I would have gotten on Jokic early in the season, obviously we did, but like, you know, if you get on like the MVP, you're going to be able to get value. But I'd love to see something even more direct where the people who, you know, hey, like there's a challenge quest, whatever you want to call it. But if you have this moment of this player by this date in the season and you hold it through and that becomes a MVP, you get some other special moments. And like now we're actually kind of, I don't want to use the word betting, but we're kind of, uh, you know, putting our money where our mouth is uh, on, you know, a player that we're bullish on. That's actually a really interesting idea. It'd be really cool if, and this is a a little bit aside, and I have something else I want to say, but it'd be really cool if at the start of every NBA season, everyone could take one moment that they have and like stake it. And if that player wins MVP, then you get a special MVP moment of that player. And so you would have to like lock up that moment for the entirety of the season. If it doesn't, it yeah. burns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, and then based on the rarity of the moment you put up, if you're right, you get a rarity of that, right. of that, like a moment of that rarity, like that kind of stuff would be so fun, but it's also like a lot of people wouldn't have the appetite for it. Um, right. There's some regulatory things around staking yeah, and betting, sure. but, uh, but yeah. these are the kind of things that are always like, there's so many possibilities and uh, mm-hmm. it's part of like the whole top shot is like, it's so frustrating in the being in the market today and just seeing like that down, down, down. But like, there's so much opportunity here. And so then I just, yeah. you know, blah, 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 bullish yeah. top shot, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's funny. You, sh- you were talking about betting on players to do well, though, in like their moments. Uh, part of my like strategy with doing all the hollow challenges was I held on to Kyrie and Harden because I was like, oh, the Nets are the favorite to win the finals. And I'd, I'd want to hold those if they win the finals. So like basically I did a couple of the hollow challenges and the ones that I held were the rookies and Jokic and then uh, Harden and Kyrie. And I was like, oh, yeah, when, when they win the finals, I'm, I'll be happy to have the moments from when they win the finals. And uh, that was sadly mistaken. Yeah. And like, the it, closest... it, it is fun to try to take those bets. 
Right. And the closest is like, there were people who were stacking Lamelo rookies. There were people who were stacking Jokic's in like hopes that, that there'll eventually be an MVP award and, uh, and a rookie of the year award. And uh, the thing is, if we do get that, we'll know in the future. Now you can, because now there mm-hmm. will actually be increased value as the odds change. And whoever ends up being rookie of the year, if you can get them ahead of time before they actually get that additional badge value there. Yeah. And maybe it's naive of me, but I, I think in general, people will long-term value that you have the first moment from a season where a player wins MVP and stuff. And, you know, maybe not a ton, maybe it's 5% more than the general market or something, but I, yeah. I think there has to be some value there. I, I don't know if that correlates to trading cards, but I would, I would guess it does. TJ, I think you need a real send. You need a real ascent. I tried to, you know, I put up the the weekly pick'em thing probably ten minutes ago, and you guys just kept going. <laughs> I didn't even see. It. I know you guys are dialed in. Hey, you gotta you gotta let the the big brains do the big brains thing. I'll just kind of chill here. That was a good conversation though. But we do have to pivot to the weekly pick'em. And spoiler alert: it's it's not going to look pretty because nobody. We, we just can't get any green numbers. So, you know, generally the game is supposed to be whoever gets the highest percentage gain over the seven days. But it's really just about minimizing losses. And when it comes to minimizing losses, yours truly is just You're crushing just it. Squeaking just, it out. Just God. crushing it. You know, I only lost 10%. So, Coop, you're I mean, so close. Look at that. Coop, you, you almost got it, man. But the goose, goose egg continues for producer Coop. And I'm not, I'm not putting your face back on there until you get a freaking one underneath it. I mean, my goodness, uh, we're nine weeks in. <laughs> we're nine weeks in, and you're in every single week. We even tried to give you two picks one week, and you still couldn't get one. But there's like always another week. week. I like his pick this week. I like his pick this week. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I set up the little animations on the slide, so it's just going to show everyone's picks at once. But you know what? That's okay. I'm sticking with my strategy from the last two weeks where I'm just picking – players from the Milwaukee Bucks because I went with Middleton. Then I went with Giannis. Now I'm going with Drew Holiday, obviously not on the Bucks in this moment, but in real life, Justin, Michael Porter Jr. I like that. Michael Porter Jr. Is a type of player that I'm going to be targeting. Well, okay. If I was able to buy moments, I would be targeting uh, going forward um, because I think those level of the rookie aspect, they're undervalued. We've just kind of lost interest in the players that aren't in the playoffs right now. And like what we saw Michael Porter Jr. able to do um, once given that kind of opportunity, um, you know, after the injury was huge. Um, And so I, I think the rookies from both this year and the rookies from last year, the ones you're bullish on pay attention to the kind of news going forward. And so he's one that I'd want to get ahead on. And uh, I love that price at 350. Uh, Jokic is who Coop went. And that's actually who I was considering going as well. Um, so that probably means he's going to finish last again. Oh, uh, there's such a great combination of like love and, and trolling of Coop in the chat right now. I can't, I honestly don't know which people are trolling and which people are showing some love. Give, give the exclamation point Coops in the chat for, for his Jokic pick for the week. The guy, the guy just, he needs it. He absolutely needs it. And what better way to come back than with Jokic? Andy, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, he's just, he's really damn good. He is very I, good. I have been been watching them play this year, and, and especially in these playoffs, like that that last game, he was just, what's, what's crazy to me is I, I expected him to be a 
like a significantly more uh, focused on scoring than he is. And like he sets hard picks and he's like, he's really like grinded on the offensive boards. I've I've been so impressed with him that really has nothing to do with whether or not his top shot moment will increase or decrease in value, but he's like the player I'm having the most fun watching in the playoffs. And I just have to imagine that that'll somehow correlate to the top shot. Uh, And uh, looking like, you know, hopefully fingers crossed they'll make it to the finals after tonight, but uh, the pick and rolls with eight and have been dirty. It's, it's fun to watch. Oh yeah. And I mean like that, uh, the game winning uh, alley was awesome. After so, 33 minutes, which took ni- like 90 seconds of basketball, took 33 minutes. Really that was, oh my god, that's when I was on vacation too, and thankfully Ariel was sleeping. But yeah. <laughs> I was watching that, and I was so tired by the end of that game. That was, I mean, basketball games are always long at the end, but that that was just unbelievable. I think 0. Oh, yeah. 0.9 seconds took 12 minutes. It, it, or something. Was, yeah. it was, it was wild, but you know. It, uh, it, was a, it was a fun finish. All right, so everyone, keep Producer Coop in your thoughts and prayers this week. Let's hope that, <laughs> that Jokic can can get some positive movement here. If you want to help him out, go go buy a Jokic moment. All right, Producer Coop, how are we doing on the wheel here? You got this? And he got internet problems because he can't pay his cable bill because he can't win an underdog pick him <laughs> because that's, you know, that determines his income, clearly. Um... All right, I what what are we doing here? We're, got, we're gonna oh well, we got to do the we got to. Am I opening? Or are you opening? Or are we both opening? Or what's going on here, Andy? I also know that we you're not supposed to be on this long, so you have to. That's right. I'm having a good time. Okay, I can cool. hear. Cool. All right, cool, cool. I'm gonna. All right, so I got a couple packs. Um, we'll just do one tonight. Let's do the series two release too. So then, if uh, uh, if we get like something good, um, maybe we'll gift it. We'll see. We'll definitely do a bunch of gifted here. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just saying it now. Um, we're gonna gift away whatever the one of the. There's two playoff moments in here, right? Yes, I think so. Wow, you're gonna you're gonna pull me. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, do, do we want to? Uh, I don't know. Let's... It's one of the, it's it's one of the loud ones. I think we're good. Yeah. Okay, um, so we should have two playoff moments in here. We should have the one, the two, and then three commons. Andy, where am I starting off? Oh, man. Uh, let's go for bottom left. Bottom Number left. Four. All right, starting off with two, five, two, one, eight. And for students, I believe this is the this wedgie. The wedgie. Oh, love, love to see it. it. Shout out to, who is it? Uh, was it Kirby? Was it Skeets? Someone kind of coined that, so props to them. I like it. TJ, where are we going next? Let's go top right. Top right. We are going with 4492. That's going to be a playoff. Marcus Smart. Okay. And uh, so that's 12,000. So that'll be the round one playoff. All right. Not oh, too bad. Fun. All right, Marcus. Too bad. Nice little. Ooh, there's some athleticism going on there. All right. I'm going to round out the bottom. 5543. Five, that's a three. Shake. No Shake. Reason. Yeah, I don't. Right, I don't know Shake. much about Shake. They uh, they really Shake's, had to reach for some Shake's of these players, I guess. I mean, I'm pretty sure I only know him because I'm a Sixers fan. But, uh, <laughs> nice buzzer beater. He okay. plays pretty well sometimes. He does. He does. He he uh, yeah. he can contribute. Okay, nice. That is uh, I, I do not know much about him. I feel like he's right, then we got a one seven. Oh, Terrence Davis. 
Getting inside. Oof, a little behind the back, a little like that. I like that. A little reverse. All right. And finishing up top middle, we've got 16, 6, uh -huh. 2, 3, Kuz. Kyle Kuzma. Okay. He's in the new season of Dave on Hulu. If anyone watches uh -huh. that. Which I've heard is fantastic. Oh. Yeah. It's a very funny did, show. Yeah. Did uh I didn't know there was a second season. I'm about to watch that. I watched yeah, the first just, I like came out like uh binge the first season and it was it was a good show. From Richmond, Virginia. Went to University of Richmond. Okay. I'm Alrighty. gonna give both the Marcus Smart and the Shake Milton. Um so let's have some fun and we'll we'll do both those. We'll spin the wheel afterwards. Let's do it. Uh, and uh am I opening pack today? I think I'm gifting two. You know what? Okay. Yeah, we're good. So we'll do the wheel then. I'll just gift those two. Oh, okay. We're gonna do. Are you saying one wheel after? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I'm down with whatever. Um, I want to do one moment for the chat today. One moment for the people who are watching afterwards, so we don't leave them out. Um, and then if you don't want to do it because we're kind of running over, well, let's just do five, and I'm just gonna gift them all away. Let's do it. Okay, we're gifting away the whole set. The Shake Milton will go to people who are watching afterwards and put their names in the comments. Everyone else will do today. Coop, you got the chat. Take it away, and uh, let's uh, let's gift them all. Wow, just punting off a whole pack. I lo love to see it. It's yeah, good. I mean, when you got your lightning, sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes it just feels good to punt it off a bunch, of, a bunch of cash. Ah. I'm Shortly fan. before this show, I found out that I'm going to the Stanley Cup game on Wednesday night with two free tickets. Thank you very much, FanDuel. Uh, so I'm in a good mood. Go. Things, things are going well. Love it. Love it, love it. All right, Producer Coop. Oh, no. How slow is it going to be? Okay. There we go. All right. So I've got the set. We are going to start off with the Terrence Davis, 17141. Boom. Good luck, everybody. Spin that wheel. Ooh. Remember, if you hit the like button, you're more likely to come up on the wheel for <laughs> statistical facts. John SB. Okay. Um, and also, we do not have your top shot usernames. So just a reminder, DM us. If you got yep. this, DM us your Top Shot username. In a week, we will gift it to you. Uh, next up, we are going to do the wedgie. So Anthony Simmons, uh, 25-218. They're asking if Andy's in the giveaway since he's buying a house. Yeah, Andy, Andy, <laughs> Andy, Andy needs Please. this. He needs this. Andy, make sure you get the uh, – yeah, make sure you get that one of those playoff ones. Yeah, I will actually say that I uh, – I went and saw a place earlier today, and I think we might be putting a deposit down. So Ooh. thank you, everybody, Top Shot. Congratulations. Yeah. All right, James Helton, well done. Uh, what What is your favorite thing about the new house, that potential potential new house? Uh, well, uh, I'd say mainly the lack of how finished it is. Uh, it's still a year out. Um, it's, a, it's like a new construction pretty close to where I live. So we just went and saw like a bunch of renderings and like floor plans and stuff. So we're going to go to like a hard hat level construction site tomorrow to go see it uh, more seriously. Customizability. Um, I like it. Yeah. So that's actually going to be really cool. We'll be able to like have some influence. And also it has uh, some pretty nice views of the New York city skyline, which is cool. Cool. Very cool. 
Okay, uh, now we will do the Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, Team Hold almost got that victory there. Very close. And then that wheel. So Kyle Kuzma, one six six twenty three. We got a LeBron number in there. Satoshi Murakami. Congrats. Obviously, probably the original Satoshi. So uh, doesn't need these when with all those bitcoins. Okay, we are now the final one for today. It will be the Marcus Smart four four nine two. Here we go. And so as we're spinning this once again, as we end this show. For anyone who is listening afterwards, anyone who is here now, you just got to do afterwards. Put your Top Shot username as a comment on either, either Apple Podcasts or YouTube, and you will be in for the drawing for the Shake Milton. For the Marcus Smart, who do we got? All right, we're spinning. Is that going to be cool? Right, Martin Cornbloom. All right. I think four new winners today. I like it. I think so. Let's go. Congrats, <laughs> everybody. Definitely. Good deal. So, yeah. Big congrats. Please DM us. Brian Give us your Top Shot username. Brian V is a historical winner. <laughs> says this wheel's broken. It's not stopping on my name. Sorry, Brian. We'll, uh, right, wait, should we do we'll one more giveaway? Should I do something? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Well, I, say no I, have that an, I have an idea. Okay. okay. Let, me, uh, let me see. I, I got to have one. There's no way I don't. Oh, I, is that five oh, people who just left the chat? Those oh, rent seekers. That's, the rent that's how you fake uh, right. out. So let's do. Andy's the, buying a house. Ain't no rent seeker there. The the Giannis moment that won last week's. Yeah. Okay. Uh, least least price <laughs> decrease. Um, I got a a one thousand and eight. It's the only Ooh. one I have, so I'm gonna have to buy another one on the market after this. Wow. Because uh, I have to keep a full set, but let's get crazy. I'll oh, do that. baby. I'll that. Hey, Giannis. Whew. Producer Scoob, I think we got to, I think, I think we need the wheel again. Yeah. All right. Yeah, there you go. Two times MVP. We need the wheel again. Wow. So this was all, Andy, Andy, the people are going to love you, my friend. <laughs> the people already love him. They already do love him. just going to love him even more. Yeah. <laughs> all right. This is big. Let's go. Andy's for the Giannis spin that wheel. Ooh, so many names. Oh man, one out of eighty-four oh, chance. Oh. Juan, Juan David. David, well done. Wow, congratulations, congrats. Andy. Awesome. Very generous, my friend. Coop, I don't know why you didn't put our names on that wheel. I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you put Andy's. You should have put ours too. I might need a new house too. How awesome. do I find this person's Top Shot account? Oh, there he Juan, is. Juan, there you are. Okay, Juan, if you can DM uh, either Andy Let's or us um, with your Top Shot username, um, preferably Andy, but if you can't find Andy, feel free to DM us, and then uh, I'll make sure we get that to you. But big, big congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you, Andy. You are the man. My pleasure. Amazing. That's how you, that's how you cap off the show right there. <laughs> oh well that was fun any final words for the people andy uh no thanks for having me this was a lot of fun this is a good time it's always fun to jam nfts and top shot it's really you know now that i work in 
the space full time. It's essentially all I think about, but still can't really get enough of it. So always appreciate doing it. We, uh, we loved having you and, uh, best, best of luck on fractional on, uh, on any other DAOs on any other NFT aping that you do into it. But, uh, most of all, we, uh, you know, we love your honesty. We love your transparency and, uh, we're happy you're a part of the community. So thank you for coming on. Thanks. It means a lot. Super, glad to be here. Looking super insightful. Great show. Make sure you guys are following Andy on Twitter at Andy8052. If you're not already, you should be. And that will do it for this evening. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. A lot of fun tonight. A lot of knowledge dropped by the brain power that was sitting on the stream next to me. So on behalf of Justin, on behalf of Andy, and on behalf of producer Coop behind the scenes, I am TJ Lasig, and we will see you guys next time.